Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next chaos-crushing guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Hey, it's Colleen here, and thanks for joining me again here on the podcast. And if you're new, welcome. You know, I always say I'm here to help you conquer the chaos in your life, but really, you know, I always do learn a little something, if not a whole heck of a lot, when I talk to some of my guests. And today is no exception. I met today's guest a few months ago when he had me on his podcast to talk about getting back to business after COVID. But you know, that was a few months ago, and I don't think any of us knew that we'd be as still deep into COVID as we are, but here we are. So, you know, my new friend here has so much energy and a motivating spirit, and he's one of the people out there who is learning as a business owner to shift and pivot to grow through this really strained time in our society. I knew when I talked to him, I wanted to have Mon coaching through chaos because I knew that he'd have some nuggets of wisdom and bring some inspiration to those of you who need it. Micah Logan is the owner of Next Level Fitness and Wellness in the Boston area. He started out as a personal trainer, but found the business bug in his jeans and just kept going. He now owns two locations of Next Level Fitness and is launching it as a franchise, I think as we speak. In addition to that, he coaches others who are interested in launching their own businesses, not even in the fitness industry, right? He is a business coach. He wants to help you go from idea to being in your business. He coaches people, mentors them. He's a guy who just wants others to succeed. He's learned a formula that works and wants to share it. You can even benefit from Micah's know-how, even if you never call him. Although, if you are looking to start a business, he's probably the guy you want to talk to. But if you're not and you just want some extra knowledge, he is the co-host of the Common Sense Podcast. Micah and I talk about how he got interested in launching his own gym once he was doing the personal training. We look at some of the biggest obstacles that he has hit as a business owner, what he loves about coaching others into their businesses, how his parents influenced him to succeed, and how or if race has gotten in the way of his success as a black business owner, and what are some of his go-tos for success in business building. You know, I'd say and so much more, but that's really a lot. So we're going to get right into it. And when we are post interview, you know, in the closing that I always do, you know, stick around, listen to the end, because I'm going to give you a preview of some guests that are coming up because I've blocked out all the shows, even through January now, like every three weeks, we've got a show coming out for you. And I'm also going to preview a little bit about what you're going to get when the Patreon page officially launches October 1st. And now you can go over and go to my Patreon and support me now if you want, but we're going to have some special stuff coming out that really is going to be worth your monthly contribution over there. But first, let's just get into the interview with Micah Logan. Hi, Micah. It's good to talk with you again. Thanks for being with me on the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. Yeah, no worries. It is awesome to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks, so I'm glad that we're here. Yeah, because I had an opportunity to be on your show, the Common Sense podcast, back in May, and we talked about managing or getting back to business after the pandemic and kind of how to pivot and and maneuver your business. So I'm happy to have you on and talk a little bit about what what you're all involved in and what you can, how your expertise can help the audience today. So we're going to get right into it. Let's talk first about how you got into owning your own business. You are in the fitness industry. You own a multiple location gym. Uh, you also do business coaching. How'd you get into being a business owner? Well, it's, so it's a good question. So I think just like a lot of entrepreneurs, I started as a technician in a field, right? Doesn't really matter which one, but typically we, we tend to start in one specific field. Um, I 
had gone to school for psychology. Um, there you go. That's my, <laughs> and then um, all of a sudden, like, got attracted to the concept of fitness instruction and helping make people's lives better. And I had gone to a seminar with this guy. It's so weird. I had gone to a seminar. There were two guys there that I heard talk about just their experience in the industry. One was talking about a world record that he set. And he was, his name was Dr. Squat, um, Fred C. Hatfield. <laughs> He's since passed. But then there was another guy who trained um, this 40-year-old Olympic swimmer, Dana Torres. Uh-huh. And she's awesome. She like won gold medals at 40 years old. It was an amazing feat at the Olympics. And I just thought how cool it was, the interactions that they had, the community that was built there. And I was like, I got to be a part of this. And I didn't even know training was a thing at the time. <laughs> Nevertheless, that you could make money from it. And so I started training. And it was that like a first kind of like real job for you was like as a trainer or had you worked other jobs along the way before you decided to, to be a trainer and do that on your own? Yeah. So I actually ended up working full time at my father's company that he works for. And I was training part time and the, the business was the gym I worked for was about 45 minutes from the house. It took forever to get there. And I made $12,500 my first year, hooray, hooray, <laughs> um, you know, which is basically no money, but it was, it was all, it was all good because I was able to get my feet wet and kind of learn the mm-hmm. industry, have my initial embarrassing moments. Like I'll give you one before we move on. Sure. I wore these button down sweatpants and I had a clipboard in my hand. And I was with the client and I was like, all right, let's go over to this other section of the gym. So as I'm walking backwards to turn around to walk away to the other side, a handle of a machine wedged in between the button of my pants. And so when I turned, I snapped all my pants away. And then there I was, unshod in the gym. There you awesome. are. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a scene, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a thing, man. <laughs> Well, it's funny. And you mentioned working for your dad's business. I also have that in my history. My first 10 years of working in my 20s was for my father's business. And then I decided I needed to break out and do my own thing. I think that's pretty common. I think too, that like people start out and they get that influence of like what it's like to have a business, even if it's a totally different field. Yeah. My dad worked at a company. He actually worked at a company and I worked at the company with him, but you're right. Like it's, but when you but still, it's still influence when you have your father working upstairs and you're downstairs. Like there's, you you get to see their work ethic, you know, live, you know, yes. as, as a, and, and in addition to building your own. Absolutely. So from there, I started continuing the training. I went from a company to company, trying to continue to develop my skills and my ability. I work with clients and, and members of those, of those companies. And then eventually I decided that I wanted to start my own business and I started by doing in-home training in the Boston area, which seemed like a great opportunity because it snows here and it's cold yeah. here a lot. So that's how I started. Well, that's pretty neat, right? And very entrepreneurial, right? Very different that you're offering to go to your clients' houses. For sure. Like it's a whole, like I'm bringing the equipment to them. They didn't have to do anything, but I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't even know where to get business cards when I first started. I had the, the iron-on shirts that I pass as uniforms uh-huh. <laughs> um, I had this, so I still had my grandma that just passed a few months ago, but on her refrigerator, we were cleaning out her, her apartment was my first business card that I, it was like a sticker that you put on a magnet onto the refrigerator. And I said, <laughs> I'm making all of these so that when my clients go into the refrigerator, they can see that <laughs> they can see my face. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there. That's what everybody needs. Their trainer on their refrigerator. Don't open the door. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And now though, now you're a seasoned business owner, you know, and we are still in the middle of the pandemic. I'm in San Diego, you're in Boston area. And, you know, so I don't really know how much restrictions you have going on, but prior to the pandemic stuff, because now everybody's adjusting to that and we will get into that in a second. But prior to that, what was the biggest obstacle that you faced getting into either being self-employed or owning your own brick and mortar, like physical business location? Prior to the pandemic, we had expanded to a second location in this area. And so multi-unit business ownership comes with its own set of issues, employment issues, operational issues, advertising and marketing issues, time allocation issues, resource issues. And so all the issues that are relevant to a singular business now become relevant to 
more than one business and they each require the requisite amount of attention to make it grow and to thrive. And, but the only way to do that is by system. So, um, fortunately for me, I already had the system in place at my uh, first location that I could then duplicate to my second location. But the biggest issue was just getting the second location on board and making sure it was up to speed. And, and we were actually continuing to to gain and grow in revenue and things before the pandemic hit. So we were rolling and the pandemic hit and it kind of slowed everything down uh, to a halt in my industry anyways. Mm, you guys in the restaurants and the salons, like just um, really have been hard hit. And we're going to hope that everybody kind of gets out literally with their businesses being alive at the end of it. But hearing that having a set of systems in place is something that has been really important in growing to another location. I think that's good for the audience to hear. We have a lot, I have a lot of people on that talk about that. And so for you, that was also one of these cornerstone things that's helped you run the one location and then just apply what you do there to the next location. Yeah, I'm a systems guy. And so what I've done to create systems for your audience as entrepreneurs, if they're listening, is over the years, as I have implemented things to use in my business, I wrote them down. So every time there was something that I wanted to try in the business, I wrote it down. And so then all I had to do was go back and refine it as that process got better. And then you have like the makings of your your systems and procedures, like your manual, right? For, for the other locations, it's just going back over all that, right? That's exactly right. What sets your gym apart from others, right? There's so many gyms out there. There's the big ones. There's little boutique ones. What sets your gym apart from others? From the consumer side, one word is community. And from the business owner side, the one word is leverage. On the business side, we leverage two pieces of the business. One is um, profit per square foot, revenue per square foot. The second thing we leverage from the consumer, from the business side is community. And uh-huh. on the consumer side, it's just, it's community and accountability, really. And because we have systems in place for community and accountability, it makes everything possible in terms of excitement of the, the program, in terms of the consistency of the offering, in terms of the, um, our average consumer confidence index is really high because people always believe that we're delivering on what we promise that we're going to deliver. Well, that's really nice feedback to get. Can you talk a little bit about how that is built in, that sense of community and accountability? Yeah. So first and foremost, when we have anyone come in to the studio, we make them fill out uh, an application. And I know that so many gyms, clubs, boutiques out there, what they do is uh, or, or businesses in general that want to engage in customers, if they have a form request that a person just submits. So too many business owners are just content with having a name, an email, a phone, and a big dialogue box that just says, tell us more about yourself. It's like, okay, uh-huh. no, but we want to know more about you. It's just like in any practice that you have, whether it's a physician's practice, a, a therapy practice, whatever, you need to know as much as possible. And so what we want to do is because our community is so important, we want to preserve the integrity of what we offer. And in order to do that, we have to know exactly who the person is who's coming in, what they value, where their mindset is, how hard they're willing to work. If they are willing to be part of a community that is supportive because this responsibility that comes along with being a part of a supportive community, whether you're a part of the broad global community, uh-huh. you're a part of the local town community, or whether you're a part of our boutique community, you have responsibility to everyone else who shares the same space and time with you, right, in that area. And so for us, we qualify them. And it's not a right fit. We are not scared to say, you know, sorry. Well, that's fascinating that <laughs> <laughs> that they could come in and 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 write. And, and I think how you that is very unique when we look at that, especially in that way that it's like, well, if you're not going to really join in and participate, there's lots of other places that you could be comfortable, right, in town. Oh, yeah. And, and so the thing is, like, from the application form, we can't gauge anything but attitude. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. What it matters is what your attitude is. And so, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's so many people out there with terrible attitudes, not willing to contribute. But for us, it's all about the attitude. Because your attitude is what's going to support someone else. You're going to be in a coaching session with multiple other people. Some of them have different personalities. But the main issue is, if this person is struggling, are you going to reach your hand out to help them out? And so if you're not, then you're not, a right, you're not the right fit. We need people who are going to encourage, support, going to hold others accountable, hold themselves accountable because people are looking at you. Like, we coach 
our members to coach, right? And I think that's the leverage that we have in our community. I really like that. That's so different. I've gone to a lot of different gyms around and uh, had different trainers. I really like that. Uh, And those are the ones that I really take to as well. So uh, I respect that that's the model that you've built your business on. Being a successful business owner, you have also gotten into coaching other people to get into their own businesses. And I did a little research on your website, kind of find out a little bit more about what makes you tick. And on your website, I found the following statement, and I'm going to read that. And then I want to know what it means to you and what a client can expect from working with you. So the statement on your website said... My worldview is that people who have limited opportunities are an emerging market, and I work passionately in many forums to set them up for success and activate their potential. What does that truly mean to you, and how would a client experience that with you? I will say that one of the my most favorite things I've done, in addition to starting my business, running it, is becoming a business coach mm-hmm. um, to people because you get to see the impact over time and your opportunity with helping them you know, bring themselves along. I read a book by John Hope Bryant, who is a, a minority um, entrepreneur. He calls himself a, a capitalist with a conscience. Mm-hmm. And, um, but more importantly, I, the thing I thought was fascinating about his book was that it talked about how to bring up communities around the country that were that needed to be lifted up, right? That were poor, that people had had opportunities because maybe the local government had these opportunities out there, but they didn't have necessarily have, but they still have not been raised up to this point, right? Um, he talks about in the book how that was really Martin Luther King before he was assassinated, that was his next step. So after civil rights, there was an economic portion of his campaign. And so he calls it silver rights. But for me, after reading that book, what I thought was is that it's, it's brilliant. And he said that we should look at these uh, lower income areas as emerging markets, as opposed to um, places that you just write off. And, and because the reason, the thing is that there's people there with ideas, they just are un- undercapitalized, whatever the case is. And so for me, whenever I come across an idea or a person with an idea, I don't dismiss them out the bat. So um, their economic strata aside, I don't dismiss ideas. It starts with ideas out the bat right off the bat and say, hey, look, well, this idea isn't good. This won't work. I listen to the idea first. And if it seems like they have the ability to move the business forward based off of the idea, then it's like, well, all you need is the, is the coaching. You just need to cut the curve. And so that's what we focus on, cutting the curve you know, and, and nailing down fundamental business principles that will allow them to activate their potential. And most of us just need to be told that we have the potential in us. It just needs to be nurtured. you know. Yes. When you're talking about people in those underserved communities, right? Sometimes the programs are there for them to access and they don't even know that they exist. And so used to people just dismissing them. So there's so much to be said about focusing in and giving the people the confidence and then the tools to to move forward and share their voice and their ideas. Did you know that each time you enter Amazon to shop and you go in through my storefront at amazon.com slash shop slash Dr. Colleen Mullen, a small portion of everything you purchase for 24 hours goes to help support the cost of running this podcast. So go ahead, try it out. And while you're there, you'll also find some of my favorite self-care items along with the Coaching Through Chaos bookshelf where you'll find the books for every guest we've had along the way. Thanks so much for supporting the show. Who is the ideal person that you want to work with? Because I'm thinking that this is more than general. You're not helping other gym owners necessarily or, or fitness experts who are really like the ideal people who you enjoy working with. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like, I mean, I've mentored people in the fitness industry for fun because I, I know the industry. But for me, I want to work with a person who has ideas, unique ideas. Don't come to me and say you want to open up a string of coffee shops that you can sit in and do Wi-Fi, connect to, you know, it's like, okay, just franchise a Starbucks if that's what yeah. you want to do. <laughs> You know, I like to work with people who have unique ideas, mm-hmm. ideas that are that are different, people who have actually taken the time and begun to write a business plan, even if it's really imperfect. I like the fact that they've put the their nose to the metal and tried to actually um, make it happen. People who have 
even failed to try in their quest to try to get something off the ground. They have something to show for it. They have concepts. They've written down business plan, but they've never, it's never come to fruition. Like these are the people who I like to engage in because it tells me that this person is connected to the process or at least devoted to the idea that they have. And they would be willing to see it through if they were given proper coaching. Um, mm-hmm. They would be willing to go and, and seek funding. They would be willing to go and to, to build the business. They would be willing to go and, and put the work in, but they just, they need guidance. They need guardrails, you know? And so that that's really who I'm interested in. It's a case where I give you as an example, one of my coaching clients is someone um, who's a chess master. Uh-huh. It was his dream forever to start a chess academy. It's such a unique idea. Yes. Um, there are chess academies around and he's a chess master. He had the idea. And so I've helped him build his chess academy. And like, you know, in the last couple of years, he's grown that chess academy and it's, and it's really successful now. And but it's all because he had the, he had the thought in his mind, he's worked at it. He spent thousands of hours mastering his craft as a, as a chess master first, but then he's also thought about building this community where he can then share his idea and his expertise with other people, um, kids, kids in particular to help them. His, his philosophy is, that if you can master chess, you can master life, right? And I, I, I really thought that was really good. So um, I connected with him and then we, we worked together and uh, we still do. That's wild to hear because so many people, somebody like like your client, right? Loves chess, has gotten good, very good at it, maybe even competitive and has that dream of bringing it to other people. And yet a lot of people have that and they go, oh, well, I love doing this. And then they think, well, it's not something I would do for a living, like, or, or I shouldn't think I, I should be able to make a living doing this. I mean, somebody needs to do it. And, uh, and a lot, a lot of times it's a matter of somebody came up with it and decided this is the way to go. I mean, I have so many clients that like, I like kind of helping steer my clients, uh, just even my therapy clients kind of steer them into when I hear them say that they're dissatisfied with what they're doing for a living. I always start exploring with them. What are their passions and Mm -hmm. what do they want to do? And then we look at them like, well, why are you not doing something like this for a living? You know? Mm -hmm. And, and then it's those things of like, oh, well, I didn't think that that's something I really could, you know, be compensated for. So well, that's the thing. It's like the more unique the idea, the less people have heard about it, the more, you know, it's a catch 22. It's, it's, it's always contraindicated to what you actually think that people think about. Like the more unique the idea that, that no one's ever heard of, like you're going to want to actually see more of it or hear more of it and, you know, just go with that. Like something that's completely different. Yeah. Most of the things that we use every day, none of us even knew existed. 20, well, they didn't exist 20 years ago, let alone a lot of them didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. Um, so right. when we think of technology and then we think of like social media, I mean, my, I, I don't know, I'm going to age myself, but if I ever thought that well, I was going to have Instagram when I was in high school or Facebook, like <laughs> I'd probably be mortified or right. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Exactly. <laughs> And be like, let's leave those those secrets lie, you know? <laughs> they say that the, the biggest issue right now in middle school and high school is social media because mm-hmm. when the when the fight used to be able to end at the end of school and then you would pick it up yeah. the next morning or on Monday, now like the fight continues like 24 hours a day until they get back, right? Yes. I think they need to be 18 years old to use social media <laughs> because it, it's like a loaded gun sometimes. It really is. And then on the another side of it is all the self-esteem issues and stuff. I think that's yeah, where I would have right. been hurt most in high school from that, mm-hmm. no, you know, right that. Um, which uh, it's, it's such a strange world, right? But people had to be innovative and say, hey, let's try this out and see if it works. And then firestorms happen. And all of a sudden, you can't stop people from using some of this stuff. And that's for, you know, all the young kids too, who are into chess, right? It's all those things. There's everybody, there's a niche for everybody. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Sure. And we're going to talk a little bit more topical about what's going on in our society right now, because as we record this, it is August, and this is actually coming out at the end of August um, this year. And we are still in the middle of like the racial and social justice uprising. Uh, There's still protests going on in many of the major cities, and the Black Lives Matter movement is you know, kind of holding up strong and attempting to make change in the law enforcement systems to stop police brutality and including, you know, the, the murdering of literally of black uh, men primarily. But when we were talking about doing this interview, I was curious if you would speak a little bit about your experience as a black business owner in a metropolitan city. And I'm curious if race has, on your experience, played into 
your experiences positively or negatively um, or what you would have to say on that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, so I, I guess my answer to that is um, how what other people think or feel about the tint of my skin um, has never really uh, made itself manifest to me in particular. Um, and I'm a black man, but I like to think that people have judged me on the content of my ideas and my personality, more in my character, uh, more so than uh, my color. That's typically been my experience um, in the business world. I haven't had. I haven't had uh, discrimination that I know of. You know, it's kind of hard to put a definitive pin in if you've been discriminated against, if you don't know you have, right? Um, uh-huh. And so I'm very hesitant to ascribe labels to people because I dis- I disagree with them or they disagree with me or because they have a certain personality type that I don't really enjoy. You know, I think right now in the world, what's happening is, is that we label everything. It's like a refrigerator when you have a roommate and then all of a sudden you label all your stuff in the refrigerator, right? That's kind of, Everything has a label right now, and, and and labels are good because they can tell you when something is toxic or poisonous, but they can also tell you where the exit is, you know, if there's a fire. Um, but I think that what we do is we label people without getting to know them truly. We don't really know people's lives. We just look at the veneer and then assume what's beyond the veneer. And I think that we have to get beyond that and move to ideas and character, and I think that makes a bigger difference in everyday life. In my business relationships and in my business dealings, I haven't noticed that it's held me back at all to be honest with you i've been able to be as successful as i've worked you know that's been my experience um the harder i work the more plans i put in place by doing things the right way Um, my experience has been that i have been unabashed and not held back working positively toward ideas and how i want to build my build my life okay well and thanks for that right and so in that it might suggest that you know when you're talking about reaching out to the emerging markets, right? The people in the communities that maybe have been overlooked. I understand what you're saying. So like where I grew up. So basically I grew up in the poorest part of Boston. You I did. A town called Mattapan. I had um, Ann Dorchester, but uh, I had a two parent household growing up. My father was a strong influence and um, it was nice having them there. My parents are still married in my opinion, uh, frankly, is a, is a, is a big thing um, in particular for development of children. And I think that, you know, it, it, it made a big difference for us. And so, um, you know, it's not like I didn't grow up in like those towns in Boston is that how I would, when I was coming, growing up, I had a good, strong parental influence. And that made a huge difference because it, it helped guide me to make good decisions now. You know, and we also have family members who also who lived in those situations who also had children. They were single parents um, we grew up in a congr- in congregations where it was the same thing, where people had you know single parents. Um, they had children that had you know things as well. But the reality is, is that the people, even the people I know who are successful now, who had bad situations. I have friends that were in prison that, who are now very successful at doing uh, things because they focused on ideas and work and in the positive aspects of life, and not what happened to them when they were you know uh, slightly less thinking, forward, forward thinking um, teenager than where they are presently. And so, so is, is my situation the same as some people? The answer is no, um, in that where I ended up, but it's not like I, I came from a drastically different community. So thank you for that. And on that, right. So it's about the ideas and the influence and it sounds like really you were raised with the idea that you could work hard and accomplish what you want. And that that went a long way. Well, you know, here's the thing is that my, my mom was a uh, real estate agent. She got her, she ended up getting her real estate license. She worked very hard. It was uh-huh. in real estate for over 20 years, was successful with that. My father actually grew up in a housing project uh, here in Boston, but he worked really hard. He delivered water for Belmont Springs. He started a cleaning company on the side. There were three of us in the house. He worked every day, got up early, came back late, never made an excuse, never told us that we couldn't accomplish anything, never told us that we should think about being something different than what we are. He told us, if you make a dollar, save 25 cents, but keep working. I wish my dad gave me that advice. <laughs> God, I wish that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, no. And so my father, he yeah. <laughs> really instilled in us um, the values of work ethic. He instilled in us positive values about um, how to treat people um, in general. And race, the topic of race never really came up in our family one way or the other, like in a, in a, a way that to denigrate other races. It was just, it was work 
It was work ethic. It was who you are as a person. And that's where I get my values right now, which is that I value, even in my companies, it's a meritocracy. Whoever is the best at doing the work gets the job, stays employed, makes the most. As it should be, right? So, right. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that. Um, I know we talked on the side about like there's so much going on and, and it feels like everybody has to address it. And I know because I know what I know about people and I know that not everybody's experience is the same and you can support something without having to feel like you're also fighting the same fight. And is that fair to say then? I think so. And, you know, honestly, like, you know, if you, I, I literally think if you were to talk to my brother, he would have a different answer to this question, even though we were in the same family. Interesting. He has a very different worldview than I do. So I think that, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this uh, counseling families and stuff that people, you know, it's like, well, did you have the same parents? Well, like, like, I have the same relationship with my own brother, right? right. We have different experiences of what yeah. life even looked like. I'm like, were we raised in the same house? <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's also good to kind of put out there too, right? It, it's We all go through life with our own lens and that lens gets formed by lots of things. And even being raised in that same household, right? Your brother's lens is different from yours. And that's right not one's better or worse, but just different. And, and that happens. And I think when right. we keep our minds open that everybody's experience is tainted by their own lens, their own experiences, their own emotions, then we can have more room for everybody's differences as well. That right. just because you're from one place doesn't mean that you have the same, that had the same obstacles, have even the same idea that you came from the same place. Right? Yeah. It's a different experience. Howard Schultz, CEO of Starbucks, right? Billions of dollars. He was he was born and raised in the projects. Um, ben Carson, born and raised in the projects, you know, one of the top neurosurgeons in the history, right? I mean, he's he's his, his historical figure. So yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is why finding opportunities where they exist and having people to help you recognize those opportunities are important. So um, because I can then go and say, Hey, look, well, all right, well, you live in south side of Chicago. Okay, did you know that Southside Chicago had these programs for entrepreneurs? Let me help direct you to these resources. It's the teach a man to fish kind of deal. Like, you know, you show them how to fish for the rest of their lives and they can build this thing up and uh, into something that is productive for them and their family. Everyone, I think, I believe that regardless of where we come from, everyone has the same desire. They want to build something for themselves and their family. They want to build something that lasts for a long time. And they want to, they want to improve the environment, their environment and the environment of the people who are immediately around them. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And sometimes that that building something for themselves and their family is not always building like a business, right? It's it can exactly. be anything. Sometimes it's helping just do a good, hard, honest living while they build a great family life, right? That's exactly right. Yep. I'm going to shift us back and talk about the ways, other ways that people can have get opportunities. And one of them is starting a podcast. And so we <laughs> talked about how, and I love talking about podcasting. So you have the Common Sense Podcast. And can you talk about what was your desire also to start that podcast? And of course, I want, to, I want you to share with the audience like who it's meant for, what your mission is. But I also want to know, like, what do you get out of the process of podcasting? For me, uh, podcasting, creating the, the Common Sense Show was a was built out of the desire to coach. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a coach at heart. I've learned lessons in business. You know, the funny thing is that I think I think to myself, if I were to coach myself growing up in business, growing up in business, <laughs> um, if you use Michael Gerber from the E-Myths um, timeline of adolescence and things like that, what did I miss the most kind of starting out in business? And, and it was coaching. Like I needed coaching. And so I Initially, I spoke to my buddy, Jonathan, who, who's a very successful minority himself, um, also grew up in a lower income area of Massachusetts to, to, to you know, develop a, um, a HVAC company that, that generates millions of dollars a year. I mean, you know, and we talked about how we could help people and we're like, hey, like, let's start a, po start a podcast. Would you be interested? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started. And so um, the desire to help coach people, to let them know that we're here with them, you know, we, we're still running businesses we don't claim to know everything in the podcast. We don't claim to be like, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. Like I'm your guru for this. It's like, I'm no guru. I'm just, I'm just a guy that started, you know, started business and I run some companies and I've learned some things along the way. And I like to pass that stuff on to people, you know, it's not proprietary. I won't trademark it. It's just, mm -hmm. it is what it is like. And, and I want people to know, cause I think that when you give simple ideas to people, 
who can think. They have the ability to make transformative decisions for the for themselves and for their businesses. And I like to see businesses grow to flourish. I, I you know, I'm the kind of guy I like to build uh, ecosystems um, mm-hmm. and environments. And so for me, seeing people build their own ecosystems and, and that can last is that's important to me. And so the podcast gave us a platform to be able to throw some ideas out there and talk about what we felt about some business principles and our principles in business and whether people took all of it. Okay. None of it. Fine. Some of it. Great. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that they got some something from it. And you mentioned being a systems person. You certainly are with the ecosystems and everything else. I just think uh, that your original study of psychology, there's, there's system psychology, and it seems that your mind naturally thinks in that way in how you're yeah. talking about what you're building. Mind palace. You ever see Sherlock Holmes on BBC? He had this mind palace thing that he would build in, in his head. No, but that's, <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> it's weird. I can get lost in there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. And it allows for it allows for a lot of ideas and growth and being able to um, help foster that in other people. Because if you can see the bigger picture, you don't get focused on where is this going to get me? If you can see the bigger picture of what can come to the community or the greater community by helping someone else understand their path easier as well. So we're kind of getting towards the end of the interview here. What words of wisdom could you give a budding entrepreneur that can't see their way out of the current state of affairs while their business is suffering? You know, there's so many people that are just trying to go like, what was I thinking and being self-employed and kind of backtracking a little bit. What could you tell them that might help them hang on a little bit longer? Most every entrepreneur I know that's now successful went through some kind of transformative event where it told them who exactly they were. And I don't mean to be, to sound too blunt. Well, I do mean to sound blunt, I guess. But um, the reality is, is that, you know, you really find out whether or not entrepreneurship is for you or not. And finding out the answer to that is okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person just because your business went under because Mm -hmm. of things that are outside of your control. Doesn't mean that you had a bad business plan or a bad business. It could have just been in this particular case, external. And so focusing on things that you can control is the most important part of getting out of situations that are really abundantly negative. And as an example, I'll tell you this, I've had to close, I just gave an interview to Inc. Magazine the other day, and I had to, we talked about in my interview that I had to close a couple businesses um, before. One was because it was externally outside of my control. And one was in my control. I was just undereducated and, and undercapitalized, which are two of the main reasons why people go out of business. And so I remembered that in, in that business in particular, that I had all this equipment and I had this lovely space. We spent a long time renovating it. I put all this work in 14 hour days myself. I got it open myself within a month and a half. I did the, most of the construction myself. I did all this stuff on my own to get it open. And then I failed within a year uh, and some change. Yeah. And the only thing I had to show for it was a, was a brown box that was about 18 inches wide by 24 inches long. And that was everything that I, I you know, you put in what you believe is a freight ship worth of effort into your business. Yes. And then I was leaving with an 18 by 24 inch box of what, what I incorrectly applied was my effort in um, that business, right? I translated my effort into whatever fit into that box, and that wasn't the case. What I would understand later, um, or understand now, that I didn't know then, was that that served as an important stepping stone for me to understand what was required to run a successful business, and those lessons are invaluable to your future success. So whatever you believe right now is a tripping stone the wonderful thing about stones is that they can be flipped <laughs> and you can turn it into a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. So you just push it to the side. So it may seem like an obstacle, but you push it to the side and you step up. And I think that that's what, that's what you do to obstacles as an entrepreneur. When I got home that day that I brought the 18 by 24 inch box yeah. um, home, the first thing I did after, you know, you know, feel I had never felt that down before in my life, but I did is I, I started writing another business plan. I wanted to focus on positive things instead of negative things. It was, I got home around mid-morning and I started writing another business plan mm-hmm. for what I wanted to see happen in the future. I wanted to own multiple studios. I wanted to be um, speak professionally. I wanted to have all this stuff listed 
you know, out, you know, to do, and I've accomplished all of it, you know, and right now I'll announce it here is that I'm franchising my business. Whoa. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So now we're going to be building out this model that hopefully becomes national. And so that is all part of, you know, your path by path to success is are, are those moments when you feel like you have nothing else to offer, nothing else to give, you have to turn your effort into positive actions and focus on the positive, positive things that, that where you will be in the future. Got to kind of walk yourself forward a little bit. That's a great story. And, you know, the heartbreaking, you know, the, the box with just what you're walking away with. And I think a great lesson also in kind of recognizing that everybody, every business owner has these obstacles and things that just fail and you just can't know everything right off the bat. Most of us don't go in with the education that we need to get these businesses going. You know, just like in life, I mean, whether you're, if you're not self-employed, most people don't go to the first job that they get in life and go, oh, or the first job out of college, like in their field and go, oh, this is where I'm going to stay forever and successfully know how to do it all, right? Um, so right. to think that like with each business venture, we should just be successful because we're we're trying, right? Like you can try all you want and we often need a little bit extra information here and there, but there are things that don't work. And so that's a great story and a, certainly a great way to kind of wrap up what we're talking about today is you can have this desire for the business, build something for yourself, and then decide you're going to help others. And now you're even going to give others an opportunity to buy into a pre-made successful model of a business. So that's really fantastic with the franchising. I really respect that and uh, admire what you've built there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So now that everybody knows just how much you, <laughs> you know about business or how much you want to help others succeed in business, where can people find you? Of course, there's the Common Sense Podcast. Where else can people find you online? Well, if you want to stalk me, of mm-hmm. course, I'm all right with that. You can go to www.mica-logan.com. And then there you'll be able to see some of my business interests. You'll be able to see the podcast links, things like that. I have an email contact at mica-logan.com. If you have questions that I can help with, I have no problem answering business questions. Um, if you are interested in some kind of business coaching, you know, we can talk about that when you, you know, when you email me, but like, but, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sell you right off the bat. I want to know like more about you and that kind of thing. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm interested in getting to know people and ideas. I'm an idea guy, uh-huh. Colleen. I'm an idea guy. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> I like that. I'm also an idea person, right? I, I always find the people around me that are good at executing because that's not, I, I, I just kind of keep going and doing what, I, what I'm supposed to do, but because right. I have the vision of like what I want to be doing. But I, yeah. I always have like the people that are really good at, at executing things, all the really goal-oriented friends and stuff for in my life because I I need those people around to kind of keep me focused. It's because you're smart, you know, like it takes a, it takes some experience to know that when you're not good at, I am terrible at managing. I can admit that you don't want me as a middle manager in your corporation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be great as a CEO of the corporation. I can move, I can, I have the vision and the ability to move a company forward. You know, I was uh, coaching a, uh, a client and I became the CEO of the company. I'm currently the CEO of a company called Hushframe, uh-huh. which is a, a sound isolation company. It's such a unique thing. You know, that's kind of, I guess, how the cookie crumbles. But when you're going through the process of business coaching, you have the ability to actually really look to see how, examine how businesses work and how they should function and helping them create paths. And, you know, we've experienced some, experienced some great growth uh, this year despite coronavirus. And, you know, like I, I anticipate, you know, exponential growth in the next few years. But, I mean, I, it's it's a really cool thing to see a business grow from the ground up, you know. Yes, I definitely agree on that. So Micah, thanks so much for joining me today on Coaching Through Chaos. And it's really been fun to chat with you on my end of the screen here and pick your brain, get some information. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Colleen. Wow, I could talk to Micah about business for hours. In fact, I think we chatted for close to another hour after the interview. Sometimes people just have that energy that you just want to keep keep the conversation going. 
And before we leave this episode behind today, if you enjoyed it, you know, I'd love for you to share it. You can just, you know, hit share from wherever you're listening to and send it to a friend who might need some of the uh, tidbits of information in it. Also, make sure to check out Micah's businesses, Next Level Fitness and Wellness. You can find them at nlfhealth.com. And if you are searching for someone to help you launch your business, you can check out Micah's coaching practice at micah-logan.com. And Micah is M-I-C-A-H hyphen Logan, L-O-G-A-N dot com. Okay, up next, I have so many great guests, so I'm going to tell you about just a few of them. We have Todd Tresseter, who wrote the book, How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? We're going to go from one guest with so much energy like Micah to another. I mean, Todd, really, it was hard to keep up with him in the interview. So um, he's bringing you so much information and really helps you get a grasp on how do you start calculating? How do you know what you're going to need? So check that one out. It'll come out three weeks from now. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I've planned out all the episodes through and including January. So after Todd, we've got a former police officer who is now a therapist who works with men who have been sexually assaulted. And we are also going to hear from my friends who are also the gym-owning multi-generational family at Absolute Flex Appeal. And we also have an expert on helping young professionals grow into exciting careers and a DJ's take on how one night behind the tables can spin your company's success. You'll really enjoy his interesting take on how to move past the same old, same old to give your customers something new when they're used to what they're used to with you. You know how people always want the DJ to play the same songs? So he's got this real fun take that he learned along the way as a DJ on how to put some life into business. And I've got one last tease for you. I've got an immigrant woman who is a retired U.S. Army lieutenant. She is going to share about her pursuit of equality in her family, the Army, and America. I'm so excited for you to hear their interviews, and yet I know that that's only about half of the ones that we have lined up for you already. So just stick with me. It's going to be a lot coming at you, and I'm so excited that I get to bring you these people. Some of you will be introduced to them by me, and I'm just, I'm appreciative of the privilege of doing that. So now, of course, I want to say thanks to you for sticking with me. I've been on this podcasting journey five years now, and I know some of you have been with me from the beginning, and some of you might have said, well, is she ever coming back? Because life happened, and I didn't have a system in place that that allowed me to, you know, manage my private practice, which, you know, pays the bills and gives me the life that I live. And, you know, and then I had the family ups and downs uh, that you heard about in last November's New York Story trilogy, how my life drastically changed. And so now, though, you know, when I committed to you a few months ago, I committed and it's going and it's going like a little machine and we've got it going. Um, how many times do I need to say going? I don't know. I'm just so excited, and I know that many podcasters, as a way of supplementing the cost and the time of doing the show, but it's the time, the time it takes outside of our regular businesses or our jobs, the time it takes away from our families and things like that to do these shows. You know, a lot of podcasters launch Patreon pages as a way for the listeners to support the show by way of a small monthly contribution. And so as a therapist, like it was tough for me to make a decision on like, what could I give you that would be of value? So what I am going to do is I am setting up tiers of rewards. And there's some basic ones there for now that like I've never even promoted it because I really, you know, it's not what I wanted to give you. So October 1st. I'm going to start having three new recordings a month for you that is just going to be for a certain tier of Patreon contribution. For a rather minimal monthly contribution, uh, I'm going to be bringing you three extra recordings per month. So, and that will be for that level and above of contributors. You know, they'll still be the person who can give $5 a month and get, you know, a shout out on the show or you know, get um, a sticker or something like that. 
but when we move up just a little bit, you'll get access to these extra recordings I'm going to do. And some of them are going to be lessons that were taken away from some of the guests over the years, because I think I've probably got like 75 different episodes over the time I've been doing this. But really, you know, I'm an expert in my field. And and on the show, I don't play the expert, I play the host, because I want to bring you other experts. So here's where I'm going to give you some of my expertise. So I'm going to make three little recordings every month that will cover all sorts of life's chaos, right? We're going to talk about anxiety, relationships, depression, you know, how to prepare for a job interview, how to change your mindset, how to deal with grief, how to deal with heartbreak, how to deal with toxic friendships, how to know when a relationship is over. We're going to do so many topics and and that will be just for you as a Patreon subscriber. So that's going to be October 1st. And I'm saying this, I'm recording this on August 20th. So I am holding myself to this commitment to you. It may be that I am just off of uh, well, I'm still in part of a 10 day out of the office break from work and I got to uh, kayak around the bay here. I got to go to a little hotel that was very socially distant and very clean and tidy for the weekend before that and be by the ocean. And so, you know, I'm feeling like I have a lot of energy to put into this. So I am making that commitment to you that I'm going to do that because I want to make sure that if you are going to start giving a monthly contribution to my efforts to put together this show, that you also get something special and helpful for your life. And as my thanks to you for doing that. So that's what we have. And so now one last shout out of gratitude to my editor, Steve Cosio at podcastmansfield.com. I love how he's been managing my recordings and is truly making my podcasting experience so much, I'll say easier and more pleasant because editing was not, not what I got in here to do. So, okay, that's it for me. There will always be some chaos, but you can conquer it and we can conquer it together. So until next time, take care.